and welcome to FDTV. We are back again with another episode of our weekly podcast. I'm your host Ali, joined once again with my fellow co-host Javad. Javad, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. It's good to be back. It's good to be talking football again. Let's get into it. Definitely. So right off the bat, let's start with the biggest news of the day. Man City, once again, champions of the English Premier League under Pep Guardiola for the third time under his uh, reign at the club. What are your thoughts on that? Deservingly so. Deservingly so. With the difficulties that they had to go through. And to be honest, watching them in the Champions League was an absolute treat. Without an out-and-out striker and still winning the Champions League. Oh, sorry. Not the Champions League. Hopefully they do that as well. But winning the Premier League and scoring as many goals as they did without their lethal Aguero up front scoring uh, the majority this time around. I feel like... Pep really adjusted the season and showed why he truly is one of the great minds in football today. So I feel like it's a well-deserved victory and uh, it's bittersweet for you uh, considering you're a United supporter. What are your thoughts? Well, it's a weird uh, mode of operation that Pep Guardiola is running. Uh, almost the entire season, he has he's not been dependent on one uh, player in the starting eleven. Everybody has chipped in with goals, all the players are taking responsibility and the uh, transfers that were made in the summer that we thought would impact the team did not impact the team as much. And the old guard like Gunduhan and Mares uh, stepped up their game and uh, won the league title for Pep Guardiola. So it is uh, very nice to see such a genius in the Premier League uh, flying in high colours. But I want to ask you one thing. What do you think of the new Pep Guardiola system? Uh, the team without uh, an out-and-out striker. Do you think he would switch uh, to the normal footballing uh, setup with a striker up front in, in this summer? Once he has a trusted centre forward up front, uh, I, I don't think you can do uh, without a trusted striker. Like Obviously, you can win games here and there because the teams are not expecting. And the way uh, Guardiola's teams are set up, playing in different sections of the pitch, training particularly to play almost total football. Every player is comfortable in every situ- different situation, but a striker is a striker. I was watching the Milan game and I was watching Zlatan play. Now, whatever you have to say about him, he is the ideal striker. Every shot that he took, almost all of the time, hits the target, right? And the commentator says that that's all a striker can do, put the ball on target, right? And that's what was missing. So if you watch the PSG City game, you would have noticed the amount of chances they were creating. With a striker up front, they would have really took an advantage of it, right? So, uh, for example, the goal that uh, De Bruyne scored, right? It was essentially yeah. just chipped into the box for someone to attack it. It just happened to go in, right? It was one of those balls which was very dangerous up front. Now, if you have a striker and let's say the ball was going wide, they would have latched on to that. And that's what's missing with City. And let's analyze the squad and the performances throughout the season. It's match week 34 right now and uh, 12 goals for Gunduhan makes him the top scorer for Man City this season. Not a lot, but enough to give him credit uh, to be the best player for Man City in the entire season. Uh, and 11 assists for De Bruyne so far. So who's your player of the season for Man City? I have always underestimated Gunduhan. I said it previously as well that I feel like once a complete setup is put in place, Gunnahan does not belong in the starting eleven of City, and he proved me wrong. He proved me wrong yeah. by being an absolute magnet in midfield. Everything was going through him, and he was dictating play. And what else can you say about De Bruyne? The guy is a magician. He's a true footballing genius. Absolutely. I ever was one. Yeah. 
and a complete and total midfielder, comfortable over the fall, over the ball and stylish. He glides over the ball. Cool. So if I were to pick one, uh, based on my saying last time, I think Gunan is is the player to go, and I feel like he really stepped up his game this season. What do you think? Uh, about De Bruyne, when the Premier League is over and he moves to a different club or he retires from the Premier League, only then everybody will realize how special he was. He he has uh, kept up a wonderful legacy in the short while that he has been in England, and the weight of his passes. Uh, can outdo keepers from all areas of the pitch and i've never seen a player with such brilliant control in the final third apart from zidane and dibrana is stepping up his game to become a legend in football yeah and uh, when it comes to the player of the season i think it's very difficult uh, to come up with one for city because in the first uh, 12 odd games i think joao cancelo was the star man he was driving at both left back and right back positions and chipping in with goals and assists and wonderful crosses so for the first 12 game i think concello uh, was the man of the season and apart from that phil foden zinchenko de bruyne everybody has chipped in it it's hard to pick a out and out winner for the player of the season but gunduhan is a very nice shout apart and apart from that i want to ask you who has been the underrated performer for city it sounds ridiculous saying that he's underrated considering what he has done now but yeah. yeah just try to think about it 6 months ago try to think about it 8 months ago people did not even know who phil foden was right people knew of the mbappes and hollands of the world but no one was talking about foden and i i am going to say this moving onwards the top 3 players in the world are going to be haland mbappe and foden foden is a truly special once in a generational talent that england squad and hold off let's go towards the next big news that happened a couple of weeks ago it was a monday morning every everything was normal and suddenly this uh, big flash of news came in uh, jose mourinho has been sacked at tottenham hotspur what were your initial reactions to that i understood it but what the hell before a cup final yeah. letting go of yeah. one of the best managers in cup final histories right absolutely <laughs> You at least had a shot against City, and you shot yourself in the foot by letting go of Mourinho, right? True. And Mourinho said it himself when uh, an interviewer asked him, "What are you doing next? When are you going to be back? When are you coming back to football?" Mourinho said, "Who said I'm going out of football? I'm always uh, in football, uh, right?" Exactly, exactly. So you got to understand that the guy, you can love him, you can hate him, but you got to admire what he has done for football. taking a team like inter to a treble winning season Porto. taking over real madrid one of the most high pressure jobs and succeeding yeah absolutely succeeding yeah. chelsea talk, talking about abramovich when he took over chelsea he was an absolute sensation right yeah but obviously like i said football changes time changes tactics change but you cannot deny the amount of success he has brought you and to let him go before a cup final I feel like that was disrespectful i don't disagree with the decision i just think it was at the wrong time uh, they could have done so after let's say mourinho ended up losing the cup final right you got another reason to let him go true why not do it then so i feel like the timing was wrong the, the decision i agree with do you think uh, the timing was wrong as well it was very wrong if you look at tottenham's history they have only finished in the top 4 six times since 1984 that says a lot 
and uh, having a, ma- a manager of Mourinho's caliber, I think you should feel lucky. And at the start of the season, I was one of those people who thought that Tottenham have a wonderful squad. They have depth in there and a lot of good youth academy products are coming through to the first team. But I was totally wrong. Alder Varel, who is the centerpiece at Spurs in the defence, is way past his prime. His legs have given up on him. And Jan Vertonghen has also left for Roma at the start of the season. And they essentially had Eric Dyer as the youngest and the most experienced centre-back who played the most games. So that was really awful to watch. Tenganga and uh, Joe Rodon that they have in the uh, first team also disappointed. They they were pretty brilliant in the previous season that Jose took over, but they did not translate their form to this season. So if you look at the squad, a lot of weak links you can easily find. And Jose Mourinho cannot uh, compete with a, a mediocre squad in this day and age. You're absolutely right. There's levels to the game, right? So that's what you gotta exactly. understand with this. There's a Premier League level player, and then there's the elite players. Elite players win you games, right? They have a couple of elite players, right? But a couple of players do not win you championships. Championships are won by complete squads, and Tottenham lack that, right? And you see who they're competing with, and you would really understand where the level comes at, right? So I agree with you. Makes sense. And uh, do you think they can do better than Mourinho? And who do you think should replace Jose Mourinho at the driving seat in Tottenham? So there's only a few elite managers out there. And we're not in Germany, so we cannot do just a merry around of picking off the next best manager in the league. I don't see any elite managers left over which will suit Tottenham's game. You got Allegri, uh, you got Sari out of jobs right now. But those, those coaches are Italian coaches. I don't feel like they would be fitting into... Uh, sorry, failed at Chelsea, right? Uh, I would say, that, yeah, I think he, he failed at Chelsea. Let's, let's just say that, right? Tottenham yeah, uh, would yeah. not suit him any better. Who, who, what other top managers do you have who will come in and take that job, right? So that, that's where I feel like uh, it was a rash and quick decision without any thought behind it. Now, they've got one of the youngest managers to ever have coached a game playing at the Premier yeah, League yeah. Club, right? So when they played that uh, cup final, if you watch the game, it was a Mourinho team. Even though Mourinho was not the coach, the way they played, it was it had Mourinho written all over it. And when it comes to the choices of the managers that are available right now, Eric Ten Hag was a good option, but he signed a contract extension at Ajax for, till 2023. Allegri ha- is, has been linked with Juventus' return. And uh, Maurizio Sarri failed at Juventus, failed at Chelsea. I don't think any club wants him right now. And he's a very pragmatic coach and is a long-term solution. Not someone who can bring out of Kane and Son right at the go. He is a long-term coach who needs planning and dedication and a lot of luck to fall things in the right place at the right time. But one man who I am a huge fan of and I like a lot is Rafa Benitez, who has been one of the most underrated managers in the world of football for the past 20 years. I think he should be the first priority without any second thought. They should bring him up, give, give him a good contract and give him a few players to work with. I think that's the best option. Absolutely. I, I, I like that shout. I, was, I wasn't even thinking of Benitez. And Benitez, yeah, yeah. you're absolutely right. The magic in Istanbul was Benitez, right? So I, I agree with you. So one second to another manager. Let's talk about Hansi Flick at Germany. And before we talk about the Nigelsmann replacement, my question to you is this. 
वॉज हांजी फ्लिक ब्रिलियंट टेक्टिकल मैनेजर और वॉज ही मीडियो कर कोच एट द राइट प्लेस एट द राइट टाइम with a bunch of brilliant players performing well above their weight what do you think i i i feel like he he's underrated the guy okay. is amazing if you really look at bayern's form before flick took over and bayern's form after he took over there's no argument that he transformed them into a title winning team it's just the way it is there's simple facts there's simple stats which say flick did the job and even the way they went out the champions league it wasn't like they got thrashed the, the way they thrashed barcelona right it wasn't like that yeah. right yeah. it wasn't ugly it was on on a way go route right so yeah. flick yeah. going out he 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 was right he after lewandowski's gone who the god in striker position chipo moting he's not at the same <laughs> level right True. so that he he felt like he didn't have the players at his disposal and he did it in a respectful way right uh the board might right, think that right. it was uh something which was not respectful they should have decided all together and the club should have made True. the announcement and he went the way he did it was he went to the players he told them that he will be leaving at the end of the season he yeah. went to the uh he went to the board he said that i'm, I'm going to be leaving they tried to yeah. negotiate with him but he said i'm going to be leaving that's it I, i cannot continue and after that while they were still negotiating the terms of his exit that's when he goes to the media right Yeah. Uh, I feel like yeah. he has every right to do so. Right? Uh, what look at what he's given to your club and if you're not able to satisfy what the needs uh, according to him at the club are, then uh, th- there's no room for for both of you to be working together. I'm always a man who wants to see more of a person performing at the high level to give him the ultimate praise. So I want to see him at a high level job to give him the status of a world class manager. So what do you think is the next possible move for Hansi Flick? and what are your initial thoughts on his replacement julian nagelsman <laughs> all right so flick uh it's a merry go round um, i'm not seeing him go anywhere as of uh, right away all right so we were talking about tottenham that might be a good shot but i don't feel like he's suited for the premier league at, at the current moment but he can prove me wrong True. like he did so at bayern munich but let's talk about the replacement yeah. and let's talk about the issue at hand which is bayern munich uh, like directly getting the coach of their closest rival Nagelsmann right yeah. Nagelsmann is yep. a brilliant coach the more you say about him the less it is he is absolutely amazing at the way he has coached this RB Leipzig team where he's brought yes. them it's uh, completely mesmerizing right so Leipzig replaced him they replaced him with a manager immediately Salzburg's manager is coming in so that that won't be an issue it's just the way the german football is it's a merry go round it's a step by step ladder and there's a clear hierarchy bayern's at the top everyone else is after that but it happens everywhere right look at what's happened with marco rosa right he he announced that he was going to be leaving midway through at least uh flick announced right at the end of the season after bayern all but won the championship right so it it's yes. the state of the way german football is and uh, though i don't like it i definitely would understand why Bayern would go for that uh, Nagelsmann has got the complete understanding of Bundesliga he is a absolute highest caliber manager and why wouldn't you go for him yep. if you can right so uh, it it makes sense for both of them so Nagelsmann himself is a Munich fan right he had said it always yes. that he would love to coach Bayern Munich but he had always said that he would never undercut uh, RB Leipzig 
So that tells me that it was a mutual decision of all teams involved. And this makes him the highest transfer in terms of a manager from one team to another. What are your thoughts? I think the next possible move for Hansi Flick should be the German job. Uh, Hakim Law is leaving uh, after the Euros, I think. And that is a good opportunity for him because he has a well-established relationship with the top quality German players who are the backbone of the German national team. And he can inspire them the same way he inspired the squad which was dead and buried um, midway through the season at Bayern Munich. So uh, Hansi Flick at Germany makes a lot of sense. I don't see any other job for him honestly that suits his style of play because he will he will need uh, a lot of players, a lot of transfer activity to have a squad uh, which you know plays his style of play. I think a German national job makes the most sense right now. Let's talk about a, a scout report that has come from the same source that provided the uh, report on James Rodriguez uh, reuniting with Carlo Ancelotti at Everton. They are reporting a move of Philippe Coutinho from Barcelona to Everton at a cut price fee of 40 million. What do you think of that transfer? It has Barcelona's complete and utter desperation written all over it. They're desperate True. to keep Messi and they got to cut yes. uh, budget, right? They have to make room for True. his wages. And uh, from uh, yeah. another report sources that are telling, are uh, they're saying that they're offering Messi uh, a long-term contract uh, with about half the salary, right? So I'm not sure how that would be perceived and even if that's accurate or not. So that's just me reporting what I'm hearing, right? So yeah. that would tell me that the reason for Coutinho leaving, obviously he's not been performing at the level that's, that is expected, but it's more so that the wage bill needs to be trimmed down and Carlo Ancelotti's Everton is an ideal place for him. Uh, just imagine the terrifying side of Coutinho, James Rodriguez up front, uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin up front, right? So it's an absolutely terrifying side. All three of these players yeah. up front, Everton is definitely becoming more and more a top six, even a top four side. What do you think? But being a Manchester United fan, uh, we take rivalries in Premier League very seriously. Uh, Coutinho was one of the best playmakers at Liverpool, the red half of Merseyside. And uh, when he was leaving for Barcelona, uh, Jurgen Klopp told him uh, that in an interview that uh, Coutinho can be a legend at the club. We are in a transition phase right now and he, if he sticks by one more season, he will leave as an Anfield legend in the next three years. And I think that statement is becoming more true now since uh, Liverpool have been pretty successful. And on the other hand, uh, Barcelona have been on a downward trajectory ever since Coutinho has joined them. So another star who was loaned to Bayern Munich came back and now is sold to a mid-table Premier League side. I think Liverpool fans who paid his wages uh, will be, you know, puking blood right now. I don't think that is uh, something that will be taken lightly. But who else wants Coutinho? He's 29. Uh, I don't think he performs the same way that he used to do in the Premier League. His career has been a flop apart from a couple of uh, matches that he played at Bayern Munich. That was a good spell. I'm very familiar with the player and the style of play that he plays. That's what I'm saying that he would be a great fit. And uh, like with Rodriguez, these players are just big in name right now. The way they have performed is not a player at a top level club. They're not performing at that level. 
but they still have the True. name value. They still have the brand associated with them that comes from uh, a almost 10 year career uh, playing at the very high level at the top, top clubs, right? So it's just that factor that's causing you to think that Coutinho is going to a mid table club. But I feel like, like I said, there's levels to the game. Coutinho is not at the elite level. He is at the league player level at the top, play, obviously, right? And he's going to a team which is better suited for his abilities as of right now. He's never going to get into the starting 11 at Barcelona the way they are ticking right now. Even Griezmann is starting to play. So that's what I feel like. Uh, I, you're absolutely right. Uh, but look what happened with Luis Figo, right? Switching from Barca to Madrid. The most hated, I feel yeah. like, right? And though Merseyside True. hate each other, I feel I still feel like the political and just an ideology uh, raging war between Barca and Madrid is still at a higher intensity than the Merseyside derby. So that makes me think that uh, though Liverpool fans might not like it, but they would be okay with it considering the way Coutinho is playing right now. So let's move on one of the hottest topics in the world of football, which shook the world by storm. And everyone was losing their mind on Twitter, Facebook, every form of social media. The idea of a European Super League, which we discussed before everybody in our podcast episode number eight, uh, when Philip Lam was talking about it. So what was your thoughts and conclusion on the whole situation? And do you think it is something that will resurface in the next few years? Uh, it's definitely going to be resurfacing. Uh, I don't take Florentino Perez as a loser, and I don't think he is. <laughs> He's never going to give yeah, up yeah. on the idea. Uh, it was it was a good idea. from Initially, from what we were hearing, it was essentially a breakaway league. All these clubs were going to play each other all the time, and it was going to be a closed league, and they weren't going to be playing in their own domestic leagues. It was essentially going to be uh, a combined league, almost like a Benaliga, right? So that's what I was hearing. Yeah. I was against it 100%. Uh, but you had to listen to what they were saying, right? The only thing that I was against in that was that it was a closed competition. There wasn't going to be promotion and relegation. But they weren't looking for a league format. Essentially, what they were doing is they were trying to replace Champions League, right? They feel like they are the one who are the blockbuster attraction. They are the one who brings people's attention towards the Champions League. Why shouldn't they be cool. getting paid at such? which is an understandable argument to make, but you gotta understand, football historically has always been a working class sport. It's That's always true. been linked with the working man. And when money gets involved, a working man is not gonna like it. The humble beginnings of football does not allow the rich to take it over. Football is ours, true. football belongs to us. No rich man can come in and take over. That's what you need to understand, right? But if Absolutely. they had presented it a little bit better, they had made it uh, so everyone was involved into the decision making. And instead of undercutting FIFA, they almost made FIFA look like the good guy here, which is next to impossible. Right? So <laughs> yes. that's one of those things that you really need to understand. Uh, I feel like it was a noble idea with an absolute horrendous execution. They need True. to work on it a bit more. I feel like it's not going to go away. So, uh, what are your thoughts? Do you agree with this uh, Super League concept, the way it was presented? The way football has been for the past two or three decades, it was certainly not a well-executed idea. It was like uh, America dropped a bomb on Hiroshima and Nagasaki in 1944. You just 
came up with one of the worst things that that the football fans have heard in the past three decades, and you just dropped it without warming it up. So my question to you is. What is the other way that these superpowers in European football can cope up with the financial deficiencies that they suffered due to the pandemic? So there's there needs to be a solution. First, let's talk about the way this blew up. So Super League gets announced, and within 48 hours or so, it's all over, right? The yeah. fan backlash was so strong. Specifically, just look at the way it was at Chelsea. Their legend Paracek had to come out and actually discuss <laughs> with the fans that hey, please True. let us go through. Right uh, when uh, the manager Tuchel was asked about it, he was uh, very political about this. And he said it's the board's decision. Uh, whatever they will decide would be. I'm here to do a job. I'm going to do that. So on and so forth. Uh, let's talk about Glazers. So they are already hated in Manchester. This makes them yep. the most hated figure in Manchester. Uh, it makes me believe. So who came True. at the saving graces of all of this? It was the likes of Chelsea and Manchester City, the clubs. That have been vilified because of the money that came with them, right? So who would have True. thought that it was going to be City and uh, Chelsea that saves football as we know it? So it, the way it ended was uh, dramatic in the easiest sense of the word, right? So uh, I feel like it was a wrongly executed idea. The way to do it would have been better. Uh, first thing, you need to have promotion relegation if it's going to be a league format. But what I feel like what they were trying yes, to pr- yes. uh, propose, it was not a league format. It was more of a knockout format with a qualifying stage up front. So what you had to do was link the domestic leagues in a way the way Champions League is, right? But they yes. couldn't do that as well because the difficulty is why do you got to do that if all you're doing is replacing the Champions League when Champions League is working perfectly fine? Everyone is satisfied with it, right? Yes. So yes. what I feel like the solution is is that they need to work on the Champions League reform. The reform that's proposed right now, that's been agreed upon, that was announced at Champions League, expanding it a little bit further and going to the Swiss model instead of the group qualifiers. I feel like it was a plea towards uh, the big clubs. Because if you look at it, the teams that are getting added are not a, uh, any other teams, like from the minor leagues. They're essentially, they're given yes. an extra spot to Liga to bring them on, on level terms with Premier League, with Bundesliga, with Serie A, and with La Liga. So it's going to be truly a top five league now, right? But that same spot could have gone to the likes of Ajax, right? So yes. Ajax does not have a guaranteed spot. They have to play all these matches to get into the Champions League. So what I feel like needs to happen is a better structure to Champions League. And the payout needs to be adjusted as such as well. If the clubs by themselves can raise funding at the levels of the, the way they did, why cannot UEFA do the same? Why cannot they True. offer the same amount of uh, money and price funds that were available in the Super League? So it's a yes. lot of politics involved into this. Is that uh, UEFA, which I don't feel like has been doing a good job for a long time, they need to do better. Uh, well, if you do a case study, let's uh, for the sake of the argument, let's take Manchester City or Manchester United from the Premier League. Uh, and the new format that they propose, when you keep this in mind, you need to understand that uh, the teams in England already play FA Cup, League Cup, uh, Community Shield, and they are uh, the league fixtures are all muddled up on a weekly basis. And you got Champions League on top of that. So uh, one question that you should ask yourself is, do you need to increase the number of squad players that need to travel 
for the newly proposed Champions League that will take place uh, from 2024 and onwards because that is a big factor in my opinion. Do you think uh, the new format should allow more squad players than they already have? Well, uh, it, there definitely needs to be a consideration of the way they are treating these players. There's only a certain amount of days and the exertion that your body takes playing day in and day out and training day in and day out without an off-season and then just jamming as much. Look at the amount of injuries that happened this season. Real Madrid, True. were uh, their squad was essentially dried up. Same goes for injuries. Yeah, and it all had to do with the amount of fixtures that they were playing packed so close together. And if you were to True. add another competition on top of that, uh, or in this case in Champions League, add a few extra games on top of that, what are you even thinking about the players? Uh, that, I, yes. I, so I feel like, yeah, that could be a solution, adding an extra few players to the squad list. But that's not really the permanent fix of this, right? All you're doing yes. is, though you might be making a little bit more money, then you got to pay more wages because of the higher number of squad players that you got. So the expenses go yes. up as well. There needs to be a better solution than what they're proposing right now. Thank you for joining us for yet again another episode of FDTV Podcast. Subscribe to our channel. Leave a comment if you have any suggestions for us. We would love to hear from you. I've been your host, Javad, along with my co-host, Ali. Thank you for joining us one more time. FDTV out.